Hey friends, thank you so much for joining us on the Abbey Podcast. We are working to help you notice and nurture the work of God in your life, in the life of others, and in the world around you. One small thought we'd ask you to keep in mind is that our teachings, our conversations, and the stories that we tell are primarily meant for our local faith community in Columbus, Ohio. We're happy to share this with you as a gift, and we hope that it could serve you in some way. Yeah, and I'm just really, I guess, enjoying... I mean, Jared, I was looking back at my journal, you know, I had my, like, private uh, silent retreat, you know, at the end of February, and one of the things that I highlighted then was, like, how much I wanted to just have time to study and read and... I'm, I'm just doing that for like hours every day right now. And so it's like, mm. I feel like, obviously I'm, I'm sad and I'm concerned about the things that are happening in the world. And I'm getting to do some things that are meeting some deep longings in me. And I'm really enjoying that. So. Hey friends, uh, welcome to the Abbey podcast. I'm here with my friend Hannah Estabrook. Hello, Hannah. Here we are. So uh, we're here and for a midweek update for specifically Franklinton Abbey. If you happen to be listening in from outside, uh, thanks for joining us. Um, most of what we talk about may make no sense to you because uh, we're, really, we're really doing this for our people here in Franklinton Abbey and in the Columbus area that are connected to us. So Hannah, so tell us, tell us how you're doing. Would you, would you mind just opening up and yeah and letting us know how you're doing right now yeah absolutely yeah i think uh in the past week or so i i just feel like um it's so interesting because some of my first emotional reactions to the situation were um you know so much disappointment and a little bit of depression and um now you know a bit over a month later, I feel like the primary emotion I've experienced uh, over the last week or so has been joy. Um, mm. it's a little bit, it's a little bit unnerving to even say that out loud <laughs> because I recognize, uh, you know, deeply that there is just a tremendous amount of suffering, um, you know, in the world, in the country, in my city, in our faith community, even like people who have lost jobs or who are, you know, very, um, yeah, just unmoored by this crisis and for any number of reasons. Um, so I hold that in my heart, you know, I, I feel those things. I lament those things. And I also hold in my heart just this, a joy that is, I mean, I, I literally felt over the weekend, like my heart was going to burst, um, at a couple different points, like just so filled with gratitude and joy. And when I think about some of why that is, <laughs> um, a couple things come to mind. And, and one of them is just that, you know, previous to, to this quarantine, I just was in a really, really fast paced, season of life. And one of the things I found myself longing for 
the most in that season was just time to sit and read and study. Like I just really love to learn and then I love to, um, yeah, I just love to read. And, and so in the last few weeks, I've just had a lot more time to do that. And I'm, I'm just being filled up by that, you know? Um, and then I think secondly, I just feel that, um, I've been doing things like one thing at a time, like, you know, practicing mindfulness without even really trying, just noticing that I'll be, you know, making dinner and I'm not thinking about all the things I need to complete before I go to bed that night or all the meetings I have the next day. I'm just making dinner. And something about that alone just is like filling me up. Like I'm just experiencing this incredible deposit into my soul um, on a pretty regular basis. So that's, that's where I'm at. Wow. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It is a gift. Yeah. And I suspect that, you know, you know, there's probably a lot of people that, that aren't there and um, you know, not experiencing joy. And, you know, I think that one of the things I love about the fact that we're having this conversation in the midst of suffering is that um, to, to not ignore joy in the midst of suffering is actually quite important. It's like, yeah, it's like feasting in the midst of the face of, you know, there's this like ongoing attitude in our culture in general, but even in this moment that there's never going to be enough, Yeah, you know, this sort of poverty mentality that we, that we all, I think all of us struggle with, you know, and we think about our time that way. Yes. Um, those of you that have read Walter Brueggemann's book, Sabbath as Resistance, you know, this theme is, is in there. And so one of the things I love about listening to you in this moment is recognizing that um, you're not going to push down that joy just because it's at the wrong time, right? <laughs> I actually really appreciate you saying that because it, again, it feels vulnerable to say out loud. It feels almost like I shouldn't be feeling this or I'm not allowed to, or I'm certainly not allowed to say it out loud or um, yeah. Like part of me thinks as I'm saying this, does Jared wish he could be punching me in the face, for example, <laughs> you know? So it's helpful for me to hear you say that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's really great. Um, and I think that there's a sense in which, you know, as, as disciples of Jesus, as learners of Jesus, that we are actually meant to live in this way where we're sharing out loud. Um, you know, we're supposed to rejoice with those who are rejoicing and mourn with those that are mourning. Yeah. And the emotional spectrum of our life and community is not meant to be flattened to the lowest common denominator, but rather mm. we're, we're actually meant to like help pull one another into the depth of emotion and so my hope as people hear this is that you know maybe someone that's on the other side of the spectrum which you know interestingly you were like just three weeks ago totally um, <laughs> do you do you mind if i share a couple of things that you said that i remember that you said and
So uh, one of the things that I remember you and I talking about early on is, is that first week we were sort of exploring what's it like to pastor in this moment. And <laughs> I was feeling like a lot of energy around that question. And I remember you saying to me, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't feel one ounce of pastoral like ministry in me right now. Right. <laughs> and you're a phenomenal, you know, you're a phenomenal pastor. You really care for, you know, for people um, all the time. Yeah. And I just remember thinking um, that's okay. I feel pastoral right now. And I suspect that in, in any number of weeks, it's going to, it's going to flip. Right. Mm-hmm. So, well, you. I mean, I, yeah, well, hopefully not. I mean, I, I don't think I've had any, any moments in this six weeks where I didn't feel pastoral. Yeah. Um, I definitely felt a, a much greater degree of weight than I'm currently feeling. Like it felt mm. weighty and now it feels less burdensome. Mm. Um, I just first, I just think those first couple of weeks were, I just felt so like what, what are we supposed to do? Like, I just had no idea. Like, yeah, because you know, the first week, like zoom church wasn't even a thing and now it's a thing. It's like, so we're inventing uh, the playbook. (laughs) Exactly. And I think it's really interesting that we're talking about this. um, Given that we started a new series on the discernment of spirits and diving Mm -hmm. into consolation and desolation, making that distinction between sort of what's happening around us and then what's happening interiorly in our life with God. It sounds like you're in a real place of consolation right now. No question. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Hannah, what did you do to earn that consolation? (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. So many swear words came to my mind. Sorry. Yeah. I was going to say not it. (laughs) Exactly. I'm glad we're at the point where you know what I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, nothing. Absolutely nothing. Yeah. That's right. It's just like a, a moment of grace and gift to you. And, you know, one of the things that we'll talk about and maybe just, yeah, a word of encouragement I'll give to you and by way of reminder, I know that you know this material, but you know, we're supposed to spur one another along in love and good deeds. And so I would just say to you, that's right. There it is on your tattooed on your arm, right? Right. Um, I would just say to you that in this time of consolation, uh, what Ignatius reminds us is that you need to soak it up and store it up. Yeah. So I know you're a journaler and I suspect you journaling through this time and yeah, because at some point your things will shift in your spiritual life. And uh, what Ignatius reminds us is that we need these concrete mi- reminders and relationships, by the way, that help us remind uh, ourselves of these moments yeah. of consolation. I just, my prayer for you is that you would, you would, you would store all of this up in a giant storehouse. I love that. Um, that feels like a task I'm excited about.
do you feel like, uh, do you want to share with the community a little bit about how you're doing and just give people an update? Yeah, I'll give people an update. Um, I think for the most part, I'm doing like really well. Um, I, I'm feeling pretty creative right now. Um, doing some writing, doing a lot of thinking about the future, the future of our church, the future of church. And before we let Esther in, I'll just say that I am working on a new book proposal, which maybe mm -hmm. we can talk about down the road um, for InterVarsity Press. And I am also continuing in my grad studies. And so I am currently reading a book by the leading Orthodox scholar, John Baer, hmm. who has spent the past 15 or 20 years teaching at St. Vladimir's in New York. It's an Orthodox hmm. seminary. And I'm reading about the pre-Nicene and post-Nicene fathers and that whole process of coming up to the Council of Nicaea. Hmm. Um, yeah, I know my nerd glasses are like totally on yeah. right now. <laughs> I was gonna say that is so nerdy and also so wonderful. I feel like our community is going to undoubtedly benefit from what you're learning, so. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. The, no so I, my, my directed study is about 1,200 pages of reading Okay. And I'm instructed to either pray out loud or chant out loud about 120 of those pages because they're sermons that were preached yeah. in the, you know, first and second century. And so um, I'm about to get my chant on. <laughs> Could you chant on our podcast sometime? <laughs> sometime I will. I will. I will chant maybe some. Um, uh, yeah, some sermon from, yeah, Melita of Sardis or something. Oh, I don't come know. on. Oh, yeah. That's great. <laughs> okay, we should let Esther in, shouldn't we? Let's do it. Okay. Hey, Esther, are you there? So uh, we just welcomed uh, Esther into the room. Esther DeBusk is a neighbor. She lives here in the neighborhood. She has been a part of the Abbey from the very beginning. In fact, lived in the neighborhood prior to us thinking about planting a church here and very quickly um, kind of came in and has been a real a key person, I think, in the life of our community, her leadership. Um, she led us in worship by herself predominantly for the first two years. Um, wasn't that right? What's that? With some help. With some help. Yeah, but you you were really carrying a lot during those first two years. And I I have told you before, but since we're in public, I might as well tell you in public, I'm just so grateful for that. Uh, Esther, tell us a little bit about the shape of your life right now. And, you know, as you know, we're just here to talk about what are you noticing and nurturing in your life? What are you noticing in the community? How are things for you right now? Yeah, thank you. Um, I guess I kind of want to start by recognizing that I was thinking about this today, actually, on a walk. Um, you know, we have these, like, signs and memes and things that are going around that are like, we're all in this together. Um, and I think that is big picture true. But I think, I really think that everyone is experiencing this so differently. Um, and I think your circumstances can really affect what that's like. Um, so your, your health, um, your work situation, obviously your family situation, things like that. Um, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we're like all in this together, but I think we're all in pretty different boats. <laughs> um, 
So my, my boat, I guess I wanted to kind of recognize before I even talk about the shape of, of my life is um, pretty comfortable right now. So yeah. I'm, I don't have childcare responsibilities. You know, I don't suddenly have to work and teach somebody. Um, I have a, a job that is not at risk um, of getting laid off and was easily transitioned to home. Um, mm. I have a supportive and loving partner that I feel safe with and enjoy spending time with. And um, so um, I guess my, the shape of my life has been pretty peaceful actually. Um, and that's something I've been really trying to work through because um, trying to stay present to what other people are experiencing when I feel like this tiny little island on my quarter acre right by the highway um, is, is very serene. Um, so it feels like I, I get up and work and then have time to create and imagine and explore things at night and um, plenty of time with somebody that I love. Um, throughout the day, time to like think about and work on projects that I've wanted to do for a really long time. So that's been really restoring to my soul at the same time that I know that there are people going through actual hell um, out there. And so that feels like a real tension, just like cognitively uh, for me and something that I'm trying to stay present to. Yeah, that's great. It's literally almost the exact thing that Hannah and I talked about before you came in. So it's very, very fascinating to me that that's sort of what's surfacing for you, um, the tension. And I think even, I think one of the things that I've been thinking about along these lines is, isn't it the case that that's kind of all the time, the tension that I think we should be navigating and maybe right now that's like just so in our face. Um, one of the things that I've been trying to pay attention to and I think has been highlighted to me during this time is I've got um, some dear friends in East Africa, in Tanzania. I've been working in Tanzania for eight years, helping with church planning. And I have a, one of my best friends in the world is, is a man named Arnold Luwarago. And uh, he has a family. Um, and nine months ago, his house blew down. He has a house on the top of a hill and he's been sleeping in a tent with his family. Um, and now there's this pandemic and he's slowly been building his house by brick by brick with bricks that he is making himself with community members. And um, he updated me with pictures and um, you know, the, the cold and the rainy season is coming and, and he only has like a third of his roof on. And so, you know, we, we are close enough where it's like, um, you know, that awkwardness of like asking for money. It's like not even there. He's just a friend of mine and he didn't even ask, but I just like, man, what would it cost, you know, to buy the supplies you need mm -hmm. for a roof over your head? You know, so I just think that um, if we're not connected to people who are suffering, if we're not connected to people who are suffering in our normal life, um, we're not needing to face the tension that you're describing that is now so prevalent in our face right now. So. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, that's something I was thinking about as well. And I think this is one of the most beautiful things that I've seen in this season. Um, and I don't know, I haven't thought through this analogy fully, so hopefully it makes sense. Um, but one of my favorite things about winter is um, when we have like big snowstorms or disruptions, how gracious everyone is with one another. Like suddenly people recognize that our normal rhythms and routines aren't possible. And so they like check in with each other. Um, or if you're like late to something, they're like, they're doing the best they can. And it feels like we are having almost like an extended emotional snow day <laughs> um, or something like that where um, people are beginning even like really formal work meetings that I'm having with like how's everybody doing um, and it feels so humanizing and so lovely for um, for our society as a whole to be recognizing that that everyone's having a different experience um, and I, I think that that is always true and we are are just opening ourselves to that kind of attention and presence to one another right now um, hmm. and i hope that that doesn't go away i hope that that becomes normalized Esther, I, I'm totally with you. I'm, it is kind of when I listen to you describe where you're at, I, it resonates very deeply. I was talking with Jared just a moment ago about like my experience of joy in this season. So I'm talking about joy in a way that you're talking about peace and there is a, there's something a little uncomfortable about it. And I think it is the, the tension you're describing and the awareness of so much suffering happening and, um, but I, I guess I just also wonder, as awkward as it might feel, like, can you can you say even a little bit more about the peace? Like, where is it coming from? And um, yeah, say, can you just say more about it? Mm. Like what, um, what's bringing me more peace right now? Yeah. Yeah. I think a, a slower pace in some ways. Mm -hmm. um, is giving me more space to um, be present to myself and others in new ways. And that's been really lovely. It's something that I also hope doesn't kind of go back to normal. Um, I was talking with one of my friends from grad school um, last week, and we're both um, both kind of doers. Um, like we like love doing things and being productive and kind of like getting out there volunteering, you know, once we're off work, then we're like doing something else. And so I checked in with her and I was like, hello, fellow doer. <laughs> like, how's, how's this season for you? Um, and I think we're having similar experiences of um, realizing that we had actually gotten into a really intense taste during grad school, both of us, and never really dialed that back in a lot of ways. Um, and that was several years ago for me. Um, and so I think that um, simply dialing back has been really healthy for my soul. <laughs> um, so that has created more space for um, kind of slow contemplative rhythms, both um, spiritually and uh, physically, intellectually, mm -hmm. all of that. Time to go on slow walks, time to 
um, yeah, be in no rush, kind of sitting around learning something or praying or, um, yeah, sitting in communion with the spirit as well. So um, I think an unrushed pace has been very healing for me. I think that's really beautiful and worth just savoring a little bit. Like, I just want to sit here and sort of savor that with you. Um, and I think also just to say, at least, you know, my, my experience of being filled up with joy right now, like I have, I have a real sense that I'm being filled up for the work ahead, like, you know, for some of the, the tasks that await, you know, um, when I will have more opportunity to like draw closer to, um, suffering people again. Um, and so I wonder, or I don't even wonder, I just, I just want to like maybe reflect to you that I think the piece you're cultivating and, um, savoring right now is, is part of how you are able to like, look at suffering you know like you're going to carry that with you and it's going to inform i think the, the the tension you're in and the suffering that you are aware of and carry um and so i don't know i just i see so much fruit coming out of this you know even though it is an awkward place to be It's also been interesting. So I'm expecting my first child in August and um, just what a funny season um, or timing this is for me and Steven as we start a family, truly like it feels like a, a very, it's a very present part of this experience right now. So um, part of that is I, April's usually my busiest month at work and I'm regularly pulling like 60, 70 hour work weeks during April. And I honestly dread it all year. <laughs> it's just so exhausting. Um, and it's just part of the, the gig that I do. And um, so this feels like a happy surprise to be <laughs> uh, not running myself ragged at this point. Um, but also, um, yeah, even thinking about over the next six months or so, um, how, how much our life is going to change and how much space we have right now to just like be together as the two of us before there's another person is like a treasure. <laughs> um, and yeah. even for us to, to not have to rush through the decisions of creating a space in our marriage, in our life, in our home for this new person. Yeah. Um, so that feels like a very personal kind of gift right now. Yeah. About the next, you know, however long when I hear people talk about returning to new rhythms, that's about the time that sounds like I might be having a baby and checking out anyway on things. And so um, feels kind of like an extended preparation for the season. Um, hmm. That's beautiful. It is great. I'm curious. And if you don't have anything else to say about this, it's fine. Mm -hmm. I, um, 
I am curious what it's like to be pregnant in this moment. Yeah. Um, apart from the slower pace, just thinking about the world, um, you know, uh, is truly groaning right now and a lot of um, just turmoil, a lot of uncertainty. Um, well, yeah. Tell me what it's been like for you to think about having a baby, starting a family in probably one of the hardest seasons that the planet and the collective humanity community has experienced in a long time. <laughs> I think again, a uh, lot, I mean, people are in different boats with this. Uh, there's people who are having babies right now or like a week after things went into quarantine or people trying to have babies in hospitals in New York City right now um, that are very different experiences than others. Um, and um, so, yeah, I think especially feeling like my job is secure and my maternity leave will be secure and things like that is a source of um, just stability that I'm super lucky to have. Um, I think when it first started going around, I was um, kind of working through my anxiety of how this is, how this specific illness affects pregnant bodies. <laughs> And um, it has been, you know, un research unfolding as more and more cases come through and feel very um, grateful that it, it doesn't seem to be super serious for, um, for pregnancy. That would have been a, a real concern because my husband is fairly exposed in his work. Um, and so we would have had to make some pretty hard decisions there if there was a high risk. Um, Again, I'm several months out, so who knows what the world will be like in August. Um, I think that um, for those who are having babies right now in hospitals, they're having to make decisions about who can be there with them, um, mm -hmm. support them. And I think that for, you know, I've seen photos of people who are introducing their child to their grandparents through a window or something, and that is um, heartbreaking. And um, just knowing how excited we are, how excited our parents are um, for them to have to meet the child without holding them um, would be really difficult. So um, I don't know what that'll be like in August. I think we'll, we'll make preparations if our parents or families can't be around. We have a friend who takes great photos and see how much she can capture of those experiences to share so that they can still share in those moments um but it's it's hard to make decisions at, at this point um, got to go to one of our community members baby showers sunday and it was really sweet um, it was one of my favorite baby showers i've ever been to nice job janelle um it's just um yeah people people really being present to each other again you're not just like milling around at a party or in a room, it's like, I'm looking at your face on my screen. <laughs> and so I'm here with you. And I, I think that can feel to me, I know physically for some people, they, they really miss the presence of others, but I feel that, that people are really present to one another through these screens right now. It, it's different, but it feels very attentive. And it felt like that. And, and that felt like a real gift. Yeah. yeah, that's great. A Zoom baby shower. That's <laughs> who, knew? who knew, right? 
Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. You know, Esther, I love, I just, as I listen to you, I just um, really resonate with how often you're bringing this back to the fact that people have different experiences of this, even the way you're talking about pregnancy. And, um, and I just, again, I know we've said it before, and I just, I just feel like it's really worth reflecting on is that I just think in non COVID-19 life, we forget that people's lives are really different. Mm -hmm. And some people's lives are, are really hard and we can see it. And some people's lives are really hard and we can't see it. And so I sort of wonder, even as a faith community, how this might instruct us missionally to think about growing in our empathy and compassion for people, um, assuming maybe that people's experience is not our experience about about all sorts of things. You could apply that to so many conversations mm -hmm. that we get tripped up in, in community or in church life or just in neighborhood life. And I just think that some of what you're saying is really instructive for this. Yeah, I think that's a curious part of being in faith community with people. Um, Cause I think we use, we use we language a lot when we talk about God or about spiritual experience is like we know this to be true or we know you know these sorts of things and I think that's not always the case with people that are within our space um, and people are coming from such different even faith and spiritual backgrounds um, at times with so many different needs um, I as a uh, speaking with the two pastors in our community I think that's a real challenge um, for you all to really think through and how you're crafting and cultivating space that can meet people who are in the throes of deconstruction and others that are are not and you know all kinds of other ranges there i appreciate yeah, that's right that. i think that's been honestly one of the most surprising things about planting this church mm -hmm. is um the collection of people all over the map that we have has been surprising and so enjoyable mm -hmm. and the fact that um i think we've done some things that have been intentional to create a culture of hey it's okay you can be where you are but i think over and over again i hear people say how rare that is for church community to not feel so monolithic in its mm -hmm. uh, posture towards whatever x y or z and i just have experienced a lot of healing myself being a part of our community that holds so much space for people to think differently to be on a journey and, and i know other people have experienced a lot of healing knowing that um, they can just show up as they are and and we're all going to sort of work it through together i think it's really beautiful yeah that's one of my favorite things about the abbey and something that i forget about sometimes when i enter into some other spaces is like, oh, I gotta like perform in this space or I gotta, you know, like I can't come fully as myself. Whereas that is one of the, the most, um, I don't know, like present parts of my experience with God is that I can just always come as myself. And if our if our faith community doesn't reflect that, then we're not reflecting Jesus in that, that way. Amen. Amen. Somebody's ready to preach. Ha, 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 ha.
I was just thinking that. You? I was too. I was like, man, come on. Yeah. Thanks so much for, for being a part of this. Um, Esther, there's obviously so much more to your story and your experience that we can't explore in this podcast, but um, hopefully we'll, um, we're just going to continue to capture these stories. And um, my hope is that people around you will, will then know more of what's happening for you and, mm-hmm. and be able to pray for you in certain ways. And <sighs> thanks so much for, for coming on. Thanks for your, um, your story. And, and we'll just uh, run into you in the neighborhood. <laughs> oh, yeah. And masks. That's right. Thanks, Esther. All right. Yeah. Thank you, Esther. Blessings. And then if, Go for it, if, man. You, want to strike, if you want to strike them from the recording, we can later. <laughs>